Hello and welcome to this Life Changes podcast. You are now listening to one of our Sunday messages. If you'd like to know more about Life Changes, you can visit us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram. Now lean in and enjoy. It's really cool to be doing life together. What we wanted to do tonight is we want to celebrate a whole bunch of new people who have, who have linked in and say they want to be a part of Life Changes, call this home, put their roots down. We believe in the scripture uh, where it says in the Psalms, plant yourself in the house of the Lord and you will flourish. We believe it. We really believe it. And uh, we're excited. We are uh, not the best church in the world, but we're trying to be the best church for the world. That is something we really wanting to do. We're not trying to compete with other churches, but we believe that God's called us to a mission in the city. And these are people who are saying, actually, we want to get stuck into this community, uh, not only just to, to celebrate together theologically what we believe about Jesus and, the, and the, the Bible and what he says about himself. We also wanted to come together, connect, as, as Edwin says, as a wolf pack, whatever that is theologically, it's beautiful. Just, I'm sure it's in the scripture somewhere. I don't know, maybe not. But it's good. We want to be connecting. We want to be doing life together, um, not only the highs but the lows, but also we want to be contributing together. And this is our time, our talents, our treasures, to the, not, not just to the church, but to the mission of the church, which is reaching those who are far from God. To reach those who are the lost, the last, and the least. We're wanting to reach those people, and we believe we're better together. And we can achieve more for this mission to God, in God together. So I want to call up all those who are being prayed into link tonight. Why don't you come to the front? I'll, I'll shout out your names. Veronica Williams, Corner and Tim Page, Stefan and Emma, Kim Peterson, Oliver. I won't even try your surname. Ying Pang Ying. Ying Pang Ying. It's beautiful. I love it, Ollie. I love it. Very nice. Oliver, Ollie, as I call him, yeah? Tendai, Grant, Lombard, Josh, Edwin, Owetu, Kate, James, Andreas, Liesl Billington, Impele and, Mol- and Monica, Michelle, Ryan and Natalie, Arthur and Tracy Preston, and their kids. Bring them up. And Violet, tell me if I've missed out somebody, you can come on up if I did not see you. Amazing people. Why don't you spread on out? Let's take a look at these people, especially uh, James's fancy jersey tonight. That's an East London special right there, I tell you. Very nice. I'm going to ask some of the elders, you just, they're going to introduce some people and uh, let you know in 20 seconds, like a Twitter bio about each person, so you know who is, uh, who is coming and sitting along next to you in a meeting. So who's going first here? Alrighty. So uh, Ryan and Natalie with the wonderful kids, Jessica and Simon, they are just in an exciting season. I really feel this is going to be a great time for you guys. We're super excited to have you. I think that they get the award for staying the closest to life changes. I don't know if anyone stays closer than them, but uh, super great to have you. I think that uh, you have amazing hearts, open hearts, and just whatever you do, don't, don't be confused or deterred whatsoever. This guy, he looks mean, he looks biker type, but he is a marshmallow who will help anybody at the drop of a pin. And I love your hearts, guys. So super stoked to have you. And Michelle, super stoked to have you as well. And uh, one of the really brave ladies who's not single, who's married, who's here, because she is ahead of the curve. Her husband's still trying to catch up, and we are going to be building that bridge actively with you. I think that that's part of our responsibility as the family of God, to be praying alongside, to be taking opportunities to build that bridge. So uh, we're just excited to have you with us. Oh, I've got the privilege of introducing Kim. Say, yeah, Kim. This is Kim over here. Kim, Kimmy, as she's known. Um, so Kim came to visit us at our home. She's an amazing young lady. Um, so if you guys do need a haircut, 
I believe Kim is the lady. She's in Bloberg. So we do ad advertise you as well. <laughs> Kim is that amazing young lady that will do here for you. But Kim, what a delight to have you with us. So sparkly uh, personality that you have. And God gives good gifts. And we believe that you're one of those good gifts. And we just want to thank you for, for joining us. Um, well, being part of the partners here. And then James. Uh, I get the pleasure of introducing this man, part of our life group. He's already plugged in. Uh, amazingly enough, he's already serving in the life of the church. So that's so beautiful about these guys joining us here this morning. They've, James is one of those guys that just said, I want to be in. And um, what a privilege. James, part of the life group as well. James, we welcome you. And we, um, we trust that we're going to partner together in the future. Those are the guys from my side. Oh, okay. Awesome, awesome. Some of the names that were spoken out earlier, they're not here tonight, but they were here this morning. But I had to just share one story. Tendai, if anybody knows Tendai from Zimbabwe, I met him during this week. And just this is the nature of people that are coming into this church. And it's not just one story. I meet him at KFC, and at KFC, as soon as he sits down, he says, can I invite this guy to come sit with us? I said, what happens? As I was walking here, I met this guy, and I, I believe we need to tell him about Jesus, you know? And that's the sort of fire that's coming into the church. So without further ado, I want to invite some other fiery people, starting off on this end here, <laughs> is with Kate. Now, Kate joined our life group about, probably about three years ago, and for the first two years, she was on WhatsApp with us, and we never, ever met her because she was studying. And finally she graduated, and then suddenly she rocked up, and she just really was such a blessing in every single way. Uh, she's been a part of our life group for over a year now, and from August she's starting her own life group with a group of guys. They, they, they're multiplying and starting something together. And yeah, just a blessing to have you serving it to that extent, and then jumping in and partnering and, and being a part of this. So shot Kate. And Stefan and Emma on this end. Lovely couple. If anybody needs a really good hug, this man, I don't know if he likes hugs even, but he's just so good at it. It's just like, <laughs> come give him a hug later. But really amazing couple. Emma, originally from the UK. Um, they've been married for what, three years now. Lovely family. Um, and just sold out for God. Hey? One and a half years. And they got married on a Saturday. I tested in the other day. But beautiful couple. But just one thing about them is they listen to God. Like sometimes the simplest of things, they just hear God in it and, and this and that, but that's what God says. Um, in the simplest, simplest everyday things. So yeah, I'd love for you to get to know them a bit more. Beautiful people. And Oliver with the tough surname, which is? Ning Pan Heng. That's the one right there. Okay, Ning Pan Heng. So I met Ali. Well, actually, I haven't met him before. We met in like the last week. So for anybody, in about seven years' time, invest in this guy for the next seven years. And he will look after your teeth for the rest of your life. <laughs> he's a first-year dentist student, and he's on fire for God, and he's making real solid foundation decisions about the Word of God, about his relationships at university, about his friendship, really selling up for God at his age. So keep it going, man. Nice to have you a part of this. Right. Going to start on the far left. This is Violet. Everyone, have a look at her. Beautiful, beautiful lady. Have a look at her. Violet's an amazing lady, uh, a woman who's uh, fired up for God, the things of God. She's um, been in this community for a short while. She's got stuck in and, uh, and we're making big decisions for God. And we're so proud to have you with us. Well done, Violet. We're really excited. And I know you normally come in the morning and the night. Just can't get enough of church. 
but we really, really are so glad that you're part of our family. So we love you lots, and thank you for being a part of us. It's really cool. This is Tim and Cornet. I had the privilege of baptizing them early this year in their really ice, ice-cold water, and um, they had wetsuits. I didn't. I didn't get the memo. It's like, thanks. Thanks for the heads up, guys. It's helpful. But uh, amazing people. They, they have, they're doing link now, but they've been a part of our congregation for about over a year. They're leading serving teams. They're involved. They've just got stuck into every single area of the life of church. Faith Village, they've gotten stuck into, they've gotten, uh, they've got stuck into every area you can think of. They are there, and we, we love you guys a lot, and we really are so excited for what God's doing in through you guys, so it's really, really cool. This is V in the pink, and V was on stage already. She's already serving. She loves God. She's moved down from Joburg, was part of a great church called New Day, and she came down, and she said uh, she, she visited us once last year, Easter, and then when she knew she was moving down, she said, I have, to, I have to go to that church. I have to go to that area because of the church. So it's really exciting to see a, a lady who, who loves the local church, loves the family of God. And, and it's really exciting to see what God's going to do in and through you here. Really, really cool. Thanks, V. This man is Edwin. Hopefully you all know him. He leads the wolf packs. Um, Edwin is an amazing man. I'm sure if you've been here the last couple of weeks, he's actually preached uh, here already. And uh, he's, he's on staff with us for the next little while. He's an amazing pioneer, courageous man who, who, who planted a church. He's a man who and, and, and stepped out for God. And, and in that season, God did huge things in and through him. But we're just so excited to have you around. You're a gift, and you are a mate, and we love you a lot, Edwin. We really are happy that you are part of our wolf pack now. Really, really glad. This is Grant Lombard. Grant is an intern with us at Life Changes. He's from East London. So we've got two East London boys here. The great suburb of Port Elizabeth, East, East London. You may have heard of it. No, I'm just joking. It is a town. It's a city. It's a city, eh? It's a city. Wow, eh? They give that status to about anyone these days, eh? Wow. <laughs> just joking. But great people and, uh, and Grant is a great people from East London. Grant studied journalism at UCT, and he's also uh, been on radio as well. So you might know if he speaks, you might go, oh, I know that voice. <laughs> Who knows? You might. Um, but he's also, um, he worked for two years at the YMCA doing discipleship on campus. This is a man who loves God, loves his word, and has said, hey, I want a future doing the things of the kingdom. So we love you lots. We're proud of you. This amazing family here, this is Josh Billington. He's, uh, this family, this is Mom Liesel. They moved down here in November, and uh, God has done phenomenal things. It's amazing. Liesel got baptized here early this year, and Liesel's made incredible uh, decisions of faith uh, to follow Jesus, and we are incredibly proud of you. Josh gets to uh, be an intern with us. What a privilege, eh, Josh? Sheesh. But he's, he's also with us at the Milton Congregation in the morning, a gifted man who loves people. And, uh, and they're, they're from Durban, the south coast of Durban. And uh, God is sending us some of his finest. So we love you guys hugely. So it's very, very cool. And then we've got, before the presence I've got all the way to, come on, stand on stage, Ollie. Come on, don't hide behind there. Sure, just, uh, this guy's tall. He's single, just so I put it out there for anyone who wants to know. Um, lovely man. This is Oweto. He's also doing an internship with us this year. He's a man who loves the Word of God. He's a man who, who loves theology, the things of God. He does love uh, soccer and Barcelona a little bit too much, but we won't hold that against him. We're praying that God will do a work, and Liverpool will, will start to rise up inside you as well. But uh, please, I rebuke you, man, United fans. Rebuke you. But Ollie, we love you, and it's so, so cool to have you with us. This is the Preston family here. Amazing family. Uh, Arthur and Tracy and their boys, and they are, they've been in the community for quite a long time, six, seven months, and, uh, and we really love to 
have you a part of us, and uh, it's really exciting to have people of, of faith and faithfulness. We know, we've heard a bit of your story of that you've walked a journey of faithfulness, and it really puts courage in our hearts to look up and see that God is adding warriors to our midst. And I really felt that word warrior for you guys, that you are warriors who've come to join our story. So we're very excited. So these are some of the people. Let's give them a round of applause. And um, we've uh, put some people up uh, before the congregation this morning, a table for you in the morning in Milnerton. And uh, now here's the kicker. I just also thought, uh, I thought I'd put this out there because she, she's not officially part of this congregation. But this is my mother-in-law, everyone. And uh, she, she, um, this year she's, she started to follow Christ. Her daughter, Fiona, baptized her at Milnerton, which is what we're wanting to do. Families following Jesus together. And uh, she lived in Stellenbosch, and she was driving through to our church every, every Sunday, 40 minutes here, 40 minutes back, 50 if there was a bit of traffic, 55 if Grant was on the radio. Um, but uh, she started to realize, actually, I want to be a part of this community. I don't want to just be coming in from a long-distance relationship with these people. So she, what she said is, actually, I either need to find a church in Stellenbosch, or I need to move here. And she said, but I love this church. So she moved to Tableview. She moved. It's amazing, amazing, amazing thing. And uh, I love to boast about it. I really do, because this is what we signed up for. We don't want to do church. We want to we do the kingdom of God and see lives changed. And I think God is doing it. Many of these people have made decisions to follow Christ here. Many of them have come to join us and say, we want to join you with the mission of God. So I want to encourage you right now, if you have faith in your heart, just to stretch out your hands to these people. We want to pray God's blessing, His favor upon them. And I want to say the, the onus is on us as well to make sure we introducing ourselves to them, inviting them for meals, come to our home, get stuck into their lives as well. So let's pray for them now. Father, we pray for these people. We thank you, God, that you're so generous that you would give us these amazing, amazing people. We trust you right now, Father God, as, as, we, as we pray for them. Would you pour out your favor, your blessing, your, your grace upon them? I thank you, Father God, that their relationship with Jesus Christ would go through the roof. I thank you in this next season that they would, their, their hearts would be stirred with the things of God. That they would never, ever, they'll never settle down. They wouldn't be watered down. They won't back down, Jesus. I thank you, God, that you're adding to us great gifts in this season. And I pray, God, that the scripture would be truth for them. That those who plant themselves in the house of the Lord will flourish. It's a promise and we believe it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, guys. Why don't you take a seat? Let's give them a round of applause as well. If you've got your Bibles this evening, can you turn to Matthew chapter 6? Hopefully it won't go long tonight, and you know that is also sometimes a misnomer. It's often an untruth when a preacher says, I'll try and not go long. And then sitting there an hour later going, he lied to us. But tonight I'm going to make a big effort because it's been a great evening already. I really am enjoying the privilege of worshiping together with us as a, as a family, celebrating these big moments. This is church, doing life together. But uh, if you're just joining us very quickly, I want to bring you up to speed. We're doing a series called God Is. And in this series, we are unashamedly preaching about God. I know, it's a shocker, yeah? In church, they're preaching about God, really? I know. Can you believe it? What will they do next? But, uh, but we really believe, we are people, jokes aside, that we really believe that, the, as the Scriptures tell us, that we, what you behold, what you look at, you become more like. That's, that's the scripture, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing, what you fix your eyes on, 
it'll grab your heart and lead you on a journey of walking that out. And, I, and, I, and something's gripped us because I believe that too many of us, unfortunately, myself included, are way too often gazing narcissistically into the mirror of self and trying to plot our way forwards from there. No matter what Oprah says, there's no good thing inside you besides Christ. I want to put that out there. We're not a people who are trying to go on a journey trying to find the inner secret of ourselves. Because I tell you, as John Calvin said, he said, every time I look within myself, I get very, very sick. I've tried. I've tried to find something good in me, but besides from Christ, something or whatever that's good in there, Christ put it in there. And I, we, want, we want to be a people that are, are shifting our gaze from the mirror, gazing at, intently at ourselves and, trying to, and, and being preoccupied with self and say, Jesus, would you take center stage? Because what we behold, we become. I want to say this very quickly up front. If your God never challenges you, or if your God looks a lot like you, he's probably not God. It's just a glorified version of yourself. Oh, he's preaching already and it's only his intro. Careful. But this series, so far, we, I've loved it. Have you loved the series so far? I have. God has been so good for me. But we preached, just very quickly to bring you up to speed, we preached day one, God is Yahweh. Love to point you to the website. Go listen to these if you missed them. They're fundamental building blocks for our Christian, Christian life. But basically, God is Yahweh. He has always been. He will always be. There's no beginning to him. There's no end. And he's consistent in character. I am who I am. God is Yahweh. Huge. Where we are people who are, we are not, and we are, we are. And then we are not, and then we are. Up and down, roller coaster of emotions and, and frustrations. And, we don't, and sometimes we don't even know what our, frustra- our emotions are doing. Ladies, just learning. I'm learning. It's a whole new ball game for me sometimes. I grew up in a home with just boys. Be honest, it's amazing. It's a journey. I love it. But I'm learning that I'm the same, that we are up and down all the time. We are fickle people, but God is not. He is consistent. What he says goes. It's who he is and it's always been. We learned that God is creator, that he is creator and we are creation. Important order to remember. He is the potter, we are the clay. We learned that God is trinity, that in himself God is a community. Three in one, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the fact that it's so huge for us is because he did not make us out of some lack within himself. God did not make you, despite what some person may have once told you, that he, he made in a, in a simplistic way, he said, God made humanity because he was lonely. No ways, he was not. There was not a moment where he said, you complete me. No, we do not complete God. He is complete in himself. God is three in one. He is in community in himself. And we are created as an overflow, an extension of that heart to bring us into his community. God is Trinity. God is faithful, Tyler preached here in the evening. And we believe that it is, God says it is impossible for him to lie. And 2 Timothy says, it, uh, that, says that he cannot deny himself. How incredible is that? That's why we love, as Harry always reminds us about the promises of God. We hold on to the promises of God. Why? Because if he said it, that settles it. His word is our anchor. His word is truth. And we are people who don't live on sentiment because sentiment doesn't point us to a person. We live on truth, and God is truth. God is faithful. And then last week, we went on this journey of God as Father. 
and all these transcendent characteristics of Yahweh, Trinity, Creator, these out there type of characteristics start to land in more attributes that, we can, that are tangible for us, that we can understand. And God is Father. And He reveals Himself as infinitely powerful, but also intensely personal. A Father who is infinitely powerful, but who at the same breath is intensely personal. And in that journey, we get to this evening where I'm wanting to preach for 15 minutes and hopefully put a theology in our hearts, some confidence in our hearts. I'm fighting for inheritance tonight, if that's all right. Because I believe this, bosses give salaries. Bosses give salaries, but I want to tell you this, fathers give inheritances. And too many of us are setting for salary by salary, month to month living, living in anxiety and worries and the pressures of this world. How are we going to make it through when the father says, I have an inheritance for you. And I want to shift our focus, our faith onto a father this evening. And I want to uh, proclaim to you that God is provider. In a season, thank you, Poppy. That's beautiful. It's my friend. You're also allowed to say amen at times if you want. You can, that's what I'm saying. But tonight, I want to I deal with this because I'm a 28-year-old guy and I've got lots of years ahead of me. But I feel that God has done enough in me in my life already and revealed himself to me in his word to know him as provider, that tonight I, I wield this, this text, I wield this thing as a weapon, and whether you are on, in, excited or not, I want to tell you I am, with, with the truth of God, I'm waging war for your future tonight. I'm waging war for inheritances of sons and daughters who have wandered away and have settled for short-term pleasure. I'm fighting for inheritances tonight for people who are weighed down by anxiety and worry and pressure and not too sure what is happening next year. Does God have a future for me? Does God have a spouse? Does God have a job? Does God have something for me? I want to wage war on your behalf, and I want you to receive it with faith. Let's read Scripture together. Matthew 6, verse 19 to 34. This is the middle of Jesus' famous Sermon on the Mount. It will come up behind me, so let's read it from the text. It's from the New Living Translation. Have we got the first slide? Or has it deleted itself? Maybe not. Can you click down? I'll read it from my Bible. Good place to read it from. There we go. Down arrow. Let's do it. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Next slide. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. That is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to Him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. 
And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, He will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and He will give you everything you need. So don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's trouble is enough for today. Let's pray. Father, I pray this evening, would your word come and penetrate our hearts? Go beyond our, our minds, go beyond just our, 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 our natural level of thinking. Would your word go and like seed into our hearts? They'll produce a great harvest. I thank you this evening, God, that you as a father are here. And your strong right hand is on our shoulders saying, I am your provider. I am your source. Father, tonight we turn our attentions fully onto you. Amen. Three points this evening, and I'm building something. So if you're lost at one point and go, how did he get there? Stick with me. It'll make sense in the end. Point one is this, that God's ultimate provision, God is provider, God's ultimate provision has already been given in the gospel. I want to start here. I don't want to start at the lowest common denominator. I want to start at the highest point. And uh, uh, we're going to start in a text. Please go read it at home. Genesis 22. It's a famous text. It's a preacher's text. It's Abraham and Isaac. Their big moment in the script. And, and, and Abraham, he's a man who, who knows God. He's had encounters with God. And God speaks to him and says, Abraham, take your only son, the son that you've waited for, the son of promise, the son that you've, that you've cried and wept days for and that eventually came at, at, at a late, late age of your life when it was almost impossible. The sign of God's favor. He gave you a son. God then says, take that son that I provided. Take him up the mountain that I will show you and sacrifice him. Wow, what a hard word. That, that's a hard one to receive, eh? But Abraham, a man of faith, that as Hebrews tells, 11 tells us, uh, later on in his life, they look back at him and say he was a man of faith. He says, okay, God. He b- picks up his boy and he says, boy, we're going on a hunting trip. Smiles. His boy's like, awesome, dad, I'm in. Oh, this is going to be tough. And they go, they take their, all their, their, their herd with them, they take their, their helpers with them, and they go up and they, it says they go up to the mountain that the Lord tells him to go to. They ascend that mountain, and he, and he builds an altar, and as they're building it, they said, we're going to sacrifice the Lord, Isaac. And Isaac, a young boy, says, great, Dad. Where's the lamb? Where's the animal we're going to sacrifice? And the dad said, the Lord will provide. So this is not going to go down well. You magazine are going to have a field day with this one. Just to paraphrase, that's not in the Bible. Some of you are like, you magazine, wow, it's been around a long time, eh? He gets there and he says, the Lord will provide. And as the flames start to go and he starts, he starts to tie his boy down, I can imagine the panic, the boy, what's going on? The boy submits there but going, dad, I, I don't understand. And the dad saying, yep, it's, I have to be obedient to the father. He's the one who gives life. He's the one who takes it. It's him. It's not my design. And then Abraham in a moment, he, he picks up the, the sword to impale his son and to kill him and sacrifice him to God. And at that moment, a voice, the voice of the Lord says, wait, Abraham. Good thing Abraham knew the voice of the Lord, eh? <sighs> wait, Abraham. And Abraham stopped. He said, I've seen you obedient. I've provided a lamb. There's a ram caught in the thickets. And right in that moment, a ram that was caught was provided for him. 
they get to the unties the boy, puts the ram and they offer a sacrifice. And, and Abraham's is this moment in chapter 22. Go read it and study it. It's a great portion of scripture. Fundamental portion of scripture. Because Abraham says, from this moment, this mountain will be called the Lord provides. And it says, uh, the next verse says, it became a, a, a catchphrase for the people. They said, on the mountain of the Lord, it will be provided. Can I tell you something? I think way too often I'm going up my own mountain. Way too often, often I'm going up, my, I've got my plans, and I ask God to bless my plans. And when I go up my mountain, I say, why are you not providing? Then God says, I'll show you the mountain, and I'll provide on the mountain. It's a good point. should be writing that down. <laughs> just jokes. Just remember it. But here's the bigger, bigger principle here is in Genesis 22, we see God provide in that moment a sacrifice for he substituted one man was going to die and God provided one lamb for one man. Amazing. A substitution happened where one man was supposed to die, but on, on, on his behalf, the lamb died for that man. Here's the thing. Stick with me. If you flick on your Bibles to Exodus, there comes a story of the Passover, of the, the Jewish people in exile there in, in, in Egypt. And, and this moment comes where, where Moses says, let my people go. And Pharaoh says, eventually, just, you're just gonna, I, I want you out of here. I, I want you out of here. So, so they, they, they knew they were going to have to go the next morning as the angel of death was going to come that night. But the, but the Lord told Moses, he says, tell the people, take the blood of a lamb. And tonight the angel of death is going to come and go over the whole city. And it's going to slaughter every firstborn son. It's a bit of a principle coming up here. The angel of death is going to kill every firstborn son. And Moses goes, How? What, what must we do? Moses, thank goodness, he also knew the voice of the Lord. The Lord said to him, Take the blood of a lamb, an unblemished lamb. Take that blood, and on every doorpost that is of a Jewish origin, of an Israel household, paint the the side of the door and the top of the door with the blood of a lamb. And he says, and the angel of death will pass over those doors, will pass over those families. And can you imagine Moses saying, guys, we've got to do it. They've seen multiple plagues up to now. They're not doubting God's power at this stage. So he says, guys, they're going to kill every firstborn. And I can imagine moms grabbing their boy going, no. No, he said, no, don't worry. The Lord told me you'll be safe. He'll provide if we put the blood there and the blood there. They're like, is that it, Moses? Is that what he told you? You sure you got it perfectly? You got to get this right, Moses. Moses, that's what I heard. So they all get the, un lamb of an, uh, the unblemished lamb, the blood of the unblemished lamb on their doorposts. And that night, as, as night came, and families, Jewish families gathered with their kids and holding their boys and moms praying, saying, please, Lord, please, Lord, spare us. May this blood be enough. It seems so silly. It seems so small, but would that be enough? And then whew, the whisper of death started to flow of the valley. And I can imagine the, the angel of death visits the first home, an Egyptian household where there's no blood on the doorpost. And in the middle of the night, a cry went up, no! As the firstborn died. House after house, screams going up as firstborn, Egyptian firstborn after firstborn died. And then the angel came and they heard the screams coming up the valley and the Jewish homes going, no, this, this is terrible. This is, this is dreadful. And the angel of death came saw the blood of the lamb on the doorpost and moved over. And the family holding and breathe a sigh of the relief as they hear screams going up the road and skipping the blood-stained doors. In that moment, a lamb stood as sacrifice for a family. 
with Abraham in Genesis 22, one lamb for one man. In Exodus, we see one lamb for one family. Then in the book of Leviticus, the story goes on. The, the lamb keeps popping up. In, the, in Leviticus, what did a principal every year, once a year, the priest, this is in short form, the priest would gather the people, and for, this, for the sake of the people to walk away holy, what they'll do, they'll get an unblemished lamb, and what they'll do is they'll lay their hands on this lamb, and the, they would pray a prayer that they'll transfer all the sins of the people onto this lamb. And then what they would do is they would then drive that lamb into the wilderness, and they called it the scapegoat. You want to know where you get that word from? The scapegoat. The one that takes, there's the fall for everyone else. The scapegoat. They put the, the nation's sin on a lamb, and that lamb every year would cleanse the people. In, the, in Genesis 22, we see one lamb provided for one man. In Exodus, we see one lamb provided for one family. In Leviticus, we see one lamb provided for a nation. For time's sake, we get to the book of John. And John, the baptizer, is baptizing people in the water. And here comes Jesus walking towards him. And the first words on John's lips are this. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. One lamb for one man. One lamb for one family. One lamb for a nation. But in God, Jesus provides again one man, one lamb for the world. God's ultimate provision has always been given in the gospel. His ultimate provision. Can I tell you, in Jesus Christ, there's a famous scripture that says this, for God to love the world that he gave. He gave, and I want to tell you, his hand has never retracted since. He's given, and he's given of his best. He's given of his fullness. He has not given of his leftover, his surplus. He gave of his best in Jesus Christ for you and I. God's provision was ultimately shown in the gospel. Second point, God's ultimate provision is finally shown in eternity. Let me tell you, God does not always provide and care for us in ways we might expect in this life. I want to be straight up with you. The Bible does not promise this. Peter, James, John, Paul gave their very lives for the gospel. They died. Horrific deaths for the gospel. They viewed the gospel as a treasure not to be lost at any cost. They suffered gladly because they had something in the gospel that had far more worth. Hebrews 11 paints a picture, tells us about men of faith who overcame in this life. But it also says men of faith who died without seeing the promise, without seeing the provision they died on this earth. But I want to tell you, as followers of Jesus Christ, we have to have an understanding that our Father has provided an eternity for us. A security, an end game to the story, to this madness. He's got an end game in place. That's why at funerals we can be people who mourn, but with hope. The Bible says if, we, if there was no eternity, if there was no life after death with Jesus, we would be pitied more than anyone else because we mourn without hope. But we have been promised a city of joy. Joy unspeakable. We have been promised Jesus in fullness and eternity with him. We've been promised that. We've been provided. And can I tell you, what has that future got impact for us today? I want to tell you this, that that demands us. When we understand we have that future provided, secure, covered, done, paid for in full, sealed by the Holy Spirit, it, it activates our hearts to understand that right now we are not living in peacetime. Let me say it this way, it activates our hearts. Our hearts click over that we realize we are living in wartime. 
because we have not seen the fullness of the promise yet. And this is where it comes down to bare bones here, if I can speak honestly for a little bit. We need to be people who start to send our money ahead. Let me explain it this way. Tie your possessions to eternity. This, this helps me understand a little bit better. A lot of Zimbabweans who come at the moment, they're living, in a, they know th- they're living here in South Africa because home is not home anymore. But they long for the day they can go back. They've even got some family members there. And can I tell you what's amazing about Zimbabweans? If you know them who work here, they work, they work, they work, and they take sometimes their small wages, and do you know what they do with it? Send it home to the family. They send it back there. They live meagerly. They live, live in smallness. They live in, in this. But why? Because this is not home. Family. Kwamusha is home, back home. They've learned to send their money ahead. And I know it's a, it falls short of the analogy, but I think too much, many of us are living as if this is it. Hoard, because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. We check the bank account daily. Nervous, anxious, oh, living in fear. Can I tell you this? When we understand eternity, it starts to change us, and we start to live simply and live generously. Can I ask us, Let's be hazardous in our trust of God, the provider. Hazardous in our risk-taking for the glory of Christ. This kind of freedom and love will make us the happiest people on earth. Thank you. Jesus died for the joy set before him. He endured the cross for the joy set before him. We are people who are supposed to live for the joy set before us. This is so huge, you know why? Because this passage that we read and we'll come back to now to land. And it, 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 if you read the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is ur- urging and appealing imp- to the people, say, give in secret. Those days, the biggest thing was the, the pious and the, the more the lofty religious people would make sure that everyone knew about their giving. I've just given to charity. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm amazing. Everyone's like, wow, look how holy he is. Giving so much. But Jesus said, actually, this is the way I want you to give. And his principles to give are this. Give to the poor because they can't thank you. Because they can't throw a party for you. Give to them so no one knows. And he also says this, give to the church. And that's what we love. I love the freeing uh, teaching of tithing. Tithing is freeing. Do you know why? I'm not at the center of it. I can't determine what happens with it. And I don't, I, can't, I don't even see which is my, my fruit or not. But God provides. And that, I love that sort of understanding because when we start to understand that his ultimate provision is in the gospel, his ultimate provision then will be in eternity as well. That, that this thing of, that our, we are saved by the lamb, that he's paid for our past and he's paid pr- and provided for our future. We get to this little messy bit in the between called life. Everyone know that part? You're like, yes, I love that he's paid for my past. I'm so excited about the future that's provided. But what do I do with this little thing in between called life? Can I tell you, that's where I get to point three, is that God provides what we need. I want to tell you his character, his nature, he is not in recession. The Father is not dictated to whether Britain votes out or stay. He's not going nervously worried, will Brexit affect my ability to provide for my children? He is not worried in, in the slightest. He's not going Trump or Clinton. I don't know which is the less of two evils. No, I don't know. 
He's not worried about in Kandla and going, they, they, the government has spent a lot. I don't know. Maybe I'll have to pull back on my provision this year. He's not worried. He's not in recession. The father has more than enough resources. He's not in lack. We go to the Bible and we see the Israelites. In the Old Testament, the Israelites, they get set free off that story, the blood of the lamb on the doorpost. They go and they're moving to the promised land. And in this messy bit in between from their freedom to their future, they're wandering around in the desert, and they, they dem- they want, they're getting hungry. And what happens? The Father provides food for them. He provides manna. But now this thing, this, they didn't even know what to call it. It was just strange. They're like, uh, what do we call this? Manna. Sometimes I look at some KFC meals. I'm like, what is that? Anyway, manna, I suppose. They called it manna, but here's the kicker. There was provided enough for every day. But this is what, the, they, what they'll do as human beings as we do. They start nervous, and what do they start doing? Hoarding it for the next day. Oh, this is amazing. Got to keep it. We're not too sure what will happen tomorrow. What will happen the next day? That manna, maggots, and they're gone off. Why? Because he said, trust me to provide. Don't trust your strength. Don't trust the arm of your flesh. Don't trust your ability to make this thing happen. Trust me. Can I tell you what he was doing? He was teaching them to trust him as their source. But also he was unburdening them from their slavery. I want to tell you this tonight. We are still slaves of Egypt. Not Egypt as a foreign power as it is today, but we are enslaved to our flesh. We are enslaved to still thinking we have to work to get the provision. We have to beg, we have to save, we have to scrimp, and we have to make a plan. Can I tell you what Egypt stands for? It's an endless desire for more. Egypt is never satisfied. It always demands more living from your own strength. I want to tell you tonight, I believe God is saying, I am your source, not the work of your flesh. Bosses pay salaries. Fathers give inheritances. Can I tell you how I've learned this? Is that my family, my mom and dad here in the second row tonight, privileged to have him for a couple weeks. My family... We lived in Zimbabwe, and we saw the, the economy go woof, through the floor. And I saw queues for bread. We saw petrol queues. We saw basic commodities go. We saw pensions disappear, gone, overnight. Can I tell you what my parents did? Every month, they tithed. With the money going less and less and less, and they tithed. And I'm like, if they just, I was doing the sums once. If they had saved that money, maybe, maybe I could have got... A nice car at my 21st, you know? No, you do the maths. But can I tell you, I've never, I've walked into a bigger future than I could ever, ever have had provided by a pension. I've walked into a bigger future than I could ever get by getting an inheritance of earthly value for my mom and dad. My mom and dad have inher- pushed me into an inheritance that no one can steal. It's the only thing that God says, test me in this. And see not me, see my provision. See if I will provide. Can I tell you, I remember a story where, uh, 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 as a young student, where this was a big thing. Uh, there was a whole group of guys came down to, to do um, a moment here. They were, they were preaching here. There was about 10, 11 young guys. And I said, extravagantly, we had organized food for them the whole week. And I was so excited. I said, let's go to Spur. And, and I was earning a very small amount. So we get to Spur. And they go, it's on, it's on you guys. It's on life changes, hey? And I'm like, What? We, we don't have any life changes card. It's like, oh. So and I was a little bit embarrassed, and maybe, maybe it started out of a fear of man to say, no, I'm learning. 
But I said, yeah, why not? And you know what happens with young guys who get the promise of a free meal? It wasn't just nachos, half plates of nachos. They went for the biggies. They went for, they were like, you know, we want the big burger, put a steak on top of it, lobster on top, pour over just some gold, just for fun, cover it in gold. And they said, oh, milkshakes. And then we'll have desserts. I'm like, you know, when you're doing maths in your head, I'm like, oh my goodness. Money, money, money. Gone. I was getting two minute noodles for the rest of my life after this. I'm like, this is awesome. And then the waiter comes to me and says, what do you like? I'm like, not hungry, just water, please. Sipping that water slowly, just in case they might even make you pay for that. But I remember the bill came, and it was ginormous. For a young guy, it was huge. Maybe for you, it might have not, you might, some of you might have better than I did, but I was like, this, my stomach dropped. I was like, what am I going to do? And I, and I just felt, and I knew that I had literally, that was everything in my bank. I was like, and, and, and maybe it was unwise, but I felt in the moment the Father said, trust me. Uh, again, it's, I can't give you why God spoke then. And sometimes there's wisdom to say, you guys must pay. Everyone pay a little bit. Yes, I know that. But I want to tell you, in that moment, I feel God was doing something deep in me. And I paid. And I was like, yeah, that's awesome. They said, oh, thanks. You should do this again. I'm like, never in my life. <laughs> I want to tell you, a week later, I went up to a wedding. And I knew my bank account. And I knew that, yeah, it will fall again. So, yeah, you know, you move on from these moments. But God wanted to do something. Wanted to wanted to rip Egypt out of me. Wanted to rip me trusting the digits in my bank account for my provision. They wanted to rip out the me trusting my monthly salary. Rip what my future looks like. Make, making a quick plan here and there. What he did was I was at a wedding and I was driving out the wedding and a man ran after my car, knocked on the window and said, sorry man, I, I bought cash in my wallet tonight and I was asking God who I should give it to. I want to give you some cash. I'm like, no, 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 but I'm fine. He starts to give me cash. It was 20 rand short exactly of what I paid the week before. I want to tell you, you can trust God on the small things. I want to tell you one final story. Got engaged to this beautiful lady and uh, was excited. And I wanted, you know, you dream of a honeymoon. You dream. I want to take on a maid. I want to be able to spoil her. I want to be able to treat her. And and I knew, so, but I knew wisdom, my, this is what I can afford. So we went, we, we went underneath, the, so just to make it good, you know, wanted to be wise with this thing. Booked our honeymoon, shorter than we probably would have liked, but we knew we wanted to live within our means, which is a great thing to do. The day before our wedding, a man named Rory Dyer came and he was doing our, our wedding and he sat with us and he said, what, what can I do for your wedding? And I was, we said, hey, we'd love you to preach the gospel and and spoke like that. He said, great, that's awesome. But he said, I, I want to do something for you. He said, the day before he got married as a young man with limited money as well, dreaming of a, a lavish honeymoon. He said, my father came and gave me an envelope with 10,000 rand that he had saved and said, I, wa- I want you to enjoy your honeymoon with your wife, spoil your wife. And he said to me, you know, I want to do that today. And he said, I want to give you 10,000 rand. Maybe for you, that's a small amount. For me at that moment, it blew my mind. I just wept and wept and wept. Why? It was, that moment wasn't about 10,000 rand. That moment was a young man who was insecure, trying to move into a new thing. How am I going to provide on a pastor's salary? How can I provide for this woman? How am I, how am I going to have a future? How am I going to be able to give her nice things? I don't know how I'm going to do this, God. Maybe I need to pull back on my giving. Need a, maybe. And God said, I just in that moment, the first thing, I've got bigger provision for you than you could ever know. Trust me. I want to tell you this as we land. John Piper asked this question. What is the deepest root of your joy? 
what God gives to you or what God is to you? What God gives to you or what God is to you? I really believe that God wants to give freedom from insecurity, radical liberation from fear and anxiety. And why? Because that leads us to live sacrificial lives of generosity. Anxious people never become generous people. Fearful people live in small spaces and can't ever be generous. But I want, to be set free. I want us to be set free from that. Back to our text to finish. Jesus preaches a sermon in chapter 6. And his, his sermon on worry, his sermon on fear, on anxiety, will there be provision? Will I have clothes and food to eat? This is Jesus' big point. He had less points than me. He had one. Jesus' sermon on Matthew 6, on worry and this. He says this. Point number one. Don't worry. Amen. That's what he said. That's his preach. Jesus spoke that into the heart of people. Paul, maybe in the, in the, in, in, later on in the book of Philippians, he thought he would just add a little bit more. He said this, don't worry, but if you must, pray. Amen. And yet we give hours and energy fretting about the bank balance, fretting about will I get a spouse, will I get this, and we settle for short-term pleasure, and we make quick fixes, and we make plans, and I want to tell you, the father says, bosses give salaries, I give inheritances, trust me. This is the final imploring of Jesus, he said, don't worry, this is what you must do, if you want to replace your worry or something, he says this, seek first the kingdom, and all these things will be added, seek first the kingdom, and watch me provide. Watch me give inheritances that you will never be able to manufacture yourself. Watch me open up doors that will never be able to be closed. Can I tell you, he's provided in the gospel. He's provided us with eternity. And in this messy bit in between, he says, I will be more than enough for you. Trust me. 